Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Chase Masterson, founder of the Pop Culture Hero Coalition. This is Nightingale of the Extreme Justice League. This is Mark Animal Mac Young. This is Temper from the Washington Initiative. Hey, everybody. This is Eric the Smoke Moran. This is Wedget, New Jersey's number one real-life superhero. Howdy, 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 everybody. This is Rock, and you're listening to Heroes 101 Radio. We are a radio show for real-life superheroes by real-life superheroes and about real-life superheroes. And if you're a decent and kind human being, we're talking about you, too. Thanks for joining us. If, if this is your first time listening to Heroes 101 Radio. You have to talk about Heroes 101 Radio. You must fight. No, we don't want you to fight. Uh, yeah, so, um, wow, I really like that intro. We've got, you know, we have... Um, I know. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Bug, Nightbug. You know, always with me is uh, my uh, our, our sound guy and my partner in crime fighting, Nightbug. That's uh, what she that's said. Right. That's right. That, we have real-life superhero names. That's right. You guys are, if you're, if you're new, we're, you know, we're going to... And you want to join up, we're going to make you pick a real-life superhero name. And with me across the states, like polar opposite of me here in the San Francisco Bay Area, way out there in Florida, is my co-host, Impact. Hey, Impact. Hey, I'm actually not in Florida this time. I am in Georgia because I'm on the road for work. Yay. That's right. You are. We talked about that. Yeah, you're still there. How long are you going to be there until, if you don't mind me asking? If if everything goes right mm-hmm. for me, not necessarily for the guys I'm with, because I'm leaving early. <laughs> if everything goes well for me, I leave on Friday. So oh, I'll be back to Florida Friday night. So that's like two weeks, right? Three weeks. I've been here three. I came... Um, May 4th. Wow. Oh, May the 4th. That's right. It was Star Wars Day when you were you were driving out. That's right. So, okay. Well, yeah, stay safe. Yeah, it was safe. not with me that day. Yeah. Stay safe. It was safe. not with me that day. Yeah. Yeah. See? Um, but, yeah. So, you know, today it's it's, it's perfect timing for, for the, the topic. Because you and I talked about this topic a little while ago and we wanted to do it. But, oh, man, it's. Today, I don't know why, more than ever, it's felt like we really need this because, I don't know, how have you been doing? Because as far as, we're going to bring her on in a minute, um, but uh, as far as mental health, and I feel like today I'm like, ah, you know, like Cornholio um, without the caffeine. Like, seriously, that's what I feel like. And I've been doing really 
pretty well, pretty stable, or or at least pretty, you know, much at the same level, kind of underlying anxiousness, but but keeping it, trying to keep it all together. But today I'm just like, oh, oh, just not today, man. You know. So how about you? How have you been doing? So it's interesting. Um, so we came up with this show while I was literally driving to this project. Right. I was almost. I was in. I was about 30 minutes outside of Atlanta. I'm up in Marietta right now where we figured this out. Um, and so normally I, I don't like when I have to go and do appeal work. It, 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 it gives me anxiety. Um, I don't yeah. like, I do, I, I have a hard time being away from home for a long period of time, you know, a week, two weeks. I'm, I'm cool with that. Any longer I start, you know, I worry about, you know, my cat, I start missing, I, I miss going to the dojo. I miss going on patrols. You know, I, I miss a lot of that stuff. And so I start going a little stir crazy very quickly, even when I'm somewhere that I, even when I'm somewhere that I like, which is usually not the quick case. Still work. Right. Still work is work. It's not places I right. really want to go. Um, but interestingly enough, um, for this one, it's been kind of weird because we were already in this weird limbo time with with quarantine and this is almost a weird return to normal for me because even though I don't like going I've you know been on plenty of these trips before right so it's like I traded out this brand new anxiety of staying socially distant to this very familiar anxiety of missing everything from home but also kind of being distant from everybody because that's just how it ends up being the only difference is there's I can't go to a bar here, which I might have done in a normal trip. Exactly. Like the guys I work with, because we're outside all day, you know, we won't necessarily wear masks the entire time because, one, like it's been proven once there's, you know, wind resistant, once the wind's there, if there's wind air resistance, you know, that affects how far the fire travels. So we all, and feasibly, we just can't work in close as much as the way we do without being somewhat near each other. So, like, we'll all hang out outside of the trucks in the parking lot at night for an hour or something after work. <laughs> like, I'll usually go for a run, and they'll be – I'll come back from a run. Everyone will be drinking beer, so I'll be walking up in my running clothes, and someone will throw a beer at me, um, and then we'll just hang out for a bit. Um, <laughs> that's this weird sense of normalcy almost that I haven't had. But at the same time, I'm still anxious as hell to get home, which will hopefully be in a few days, provided nothing happens to change that. Right. And let's keep our fingers crossed. We don't want anything happening to change that. You just want to get home. You know, there's a point where you're yeah. going, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done yeah. with all. But I can I'm, see I'm, what I'm you mean. Done at, this point. Yeah. at least you've got, see, the thing is, you've got this familiarity going on. You know, even if, it's, if, if you're exactly. in this place. It's still a familiarity, and and the fact that you aren't settled completely, because when you travel out for your jobs, you're not completely settled. You're you're in a state of temporary housing, et cetera. So yeah, I can see where that would make you. It would bring down the level of stress, sort of. So and and in case right. you just tuned in today, you guys, that is our topic today. It is your mental health during this whole pandemic. Um, 
And and uh, we're going to bring on our guest now because you know, I don't see any reason to – if you want to know more about what we're all about than real-life superheroes and how we – we actually accomplish, you know, doing things worthy of the title Real Life Superhero. First of all, I just want you to know quickly that we don't have superpowers. We don't think we have superpowers. We're just a bunch of really nice people, for the most part, who try to help out our community. And, and, and when I say try to help out our community, some of us have been doing this for decades, literally going out, volunteering, and doing everything we can with what little we have to help our community. So, yeah, that's why we go ahead and keep the title of real life superhero because it's a lot easier than having to explain just you know oh yeah we're extreme altruists who blah 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 real life superhero people go yeah oh i get it so we have a whole we've been at this since 20 this show has been at this since 2012 so and we've got archives like crazy on itunes and on blog talk radio archived episodes we've got everything from um, superfoods. We we brought in uh, nutritionalists, nutritionists, nutritionists, Nutrition, you know, people who knew about superfoods, and some of them were actually uh, radio celebrities. Uh, Sean Croxton uh, was on, and then we we brought on self defense instructors. Mark McYoung is a famous author. Has a do. We've brought on people who are doing charities, stars, celebrities who do charities. Uh, like you heard her in the um, intros. It's a uh, Chase Masterson, uh, Star Trek, uh, Deep Space Nine. And then just most recently, we have the voice of Starscream. That's right. Starscream, the, the, the series that's coming to Netflix. We got the voice of Starscream, the awesome Frank Todaro, and, and the voice of so many other things. You look at Frank Todaro, his list is ridiculously long. And um, anyway, yeah, we bring on anybody we can to try to help you, the listener live a happier, healthier life. So, okay, with that, let's bring on someone who I know, and and I'm doing this already. I just want to let you know, wonderful guest of honor, that we don't expect you to solve all our problems. That would be ridiculous, be amazingly awesome. But we do appreciate you coming on here just to give us someone professional to talk to. And (laughs) really, that's in short supply these days. So with that, I'd like to bring on a really wonderful doctor of psychology, Dr. Afril. Hello. Hello. Oh, my God. Nightbug, really? It's not her birthday, but I know you love that that sample. But we're going to party like. It's oh, okay. So we're going to party like okay. this. Okay, but Bug, you ever walk up to me and call me shorty? We're going to have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have That's what she said. Oh, okay. That. Oh, my God. I'd watch one. that fight. Right, right? That'd oh, be awesome. <laughs> I, I put my money on her. She's got the, you know, they say it's not the size of the, the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Oh, yeah, she'd take you, Bug. I love you, Bug. Okay, but... so I'll <laughs> see you later, huh? I'll give you a call. <laughs> See, that's what happens when you put him on the board. Anyway, welcome, mm-hmm. Avril. Oh, you know what? Can I call you Doc, or should I call you Avril, or what, what should I call you? Whatever you want to call me is fine. Okay, you know what I'm going to call you? One. I never get to do this. I'm going to call you Doc. That's awesome. Okay. I love it. Yeah. All right, Doc. Well, you know, it was only weird. recently I got used to people calling me Doc. It was, oh, wow. I was, um, I've had my doctorate for a couple of years and um, just got through all the licensing stuff uh, last summer 
Um, but it was funny when people started actually on the job calling me Doc. I was like, no, 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 use my first name. There's no reason. There's no reason to be formal. And people really wanted to default to it. So it was either Doc or Dr. P. And that's I was like, okay, funny. That's what it is. That's, that's funny. See, if too bad her last name wasn't strange. Dr. P is pretty cool. Dr. P is pretty cool. <laughs> Dr. Strange. Because <laughs> if you're friends with P. Yeah. Wow. Wow. We, yeah. We, yeah. we do but know Dr. Strange. Yeah. See, see, but yeah. we do know Dr. Strange. She's uh, our, our friend, uh, uh, Thomas Harley Davidson Strange is his actual name. And so he married his wife. Wow. He, and his, he, he met his wife. And so of course she was Mrs. Strange. And then she got her doctor and she, now she's Dr. Strange. So yeah. So now we got, I, we got all the, I envy that. I, I want that last name. That's kind of right. Isn't that cool? I know a Doctor Awesome. It's not what? it's spelled O like it's like O S S U M or something, but it's pronounced awesome. Wow, that's awesome. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is yeah. awesome. <laughs> Doctor Awesome. Yeah, all, right. All, right. <laughs> all right, Doc. So God, man, the fun things you could do when you just so if we go to school for like how many years we can get the doctor, we can change our name to something cool. Um yeah, I know. We all thought about that. I'm like, you um, guys you guys can help me figure out a, a new last name. How's that? That'd be really We'll figure a new one on that one. So cool. It'd be your superhero last name. Just go with, a, go with Amazing. <laughs> Dr. Amazing? Dr. Fantastic? No, I, I, I couldn't keep a straight face with that one. I'm Dr. Amazing. I'm Dr. Dr. Fantastic. Well, there's no way. Doom? Well, the doctor. Right? The doctor. Ooh, Dr. Doom Bunny. I could go Dr. with that. Dr. Doom Bunny. Ooh. I did actually use That's that on the video show that I was a regular on. Was, yeah, I was Doctor Doom Bunny for a long time on another radio that's, show that I was a regular on. <laughs> that's okay. That's it. There we go. There's your real life superhero name too, for sure. Doctor Doom Bunny. I love it. Doom Bunny. Yeah, I was Dr. Doom. That was actually a name that I came up with uh, going down to a goth music conference with yes. um, a handful of other folks. We were going down to LA. It was the first time I'd ever gone to a goth event in um, LA, which mm-hmm. I might say was. Coming from Northern California was a little bit of a, like, you know, different kind of reality. I was like, oh, yeah, there are spray cans oh, yeah. in this room. What the hell, people? Um, <laughs> though it was nice to see a larger amount of, like, brown goths. I was like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I need oh a drink God, for all my friends. That's right. Yeah, it was like there was, like, a good amount of Latino goths. I was like, yes, yes people. <laughs> I I just got all comfy in there, and then I got all the people with the spray tans and the really highly bleached teeth, and they scared me a little. But you know, uh, not too much. Right? It's because it's because they glow like like tang. You guys might be a little too young for that reference, but they glow like tang. That scares me. Um, do. Matt, in case you guys can't tell, um, Doc Doctor Doom Money is is a is a goth. Uh, just like hey, people didn't know that about <laughs> me and me and Bug too. We spent so much of our time in goth. Uh, goth clubs back in the 90s didn't we uh, yeah so, but we were never sad goths we were never sad goths we were the happy goths that got on your nerves yeah but, I, was going, you know. I was the excitable you, you both I was are more the excitable goth. capable of being sad goth. no we're, we're physically <laughs> incapable we get happen it's like yeah, we tried no um, I, I do remember mike from back i remember a few people from back in the day um <laughs> and yes i I can say that there is a certain individual who used to be a little more, maybe would have been a 
happy gossip might have qualified more as a uh, a, a, a well disguised happy gossip. Let's put it like that. Very stern face. <laughs> a little bit of white makeup. Yeah, that's yeah. all you need. You know, a little darker. Yeah. I, we're, I'm sorry. I, I have this horrible way of derailing us this way because it's fun. You shut your hole. Uh, well, that's so- that, that said, <laughs> I think you guys need to send me some pictures later of you guys in your goth clothes because that's oh, freaking hilarious. Dude, you got it. I, I, we totally even know where they are, too. I know where these are. I'm going to sew. You're going to laugh. You're going to laugh because I had black hair. I had total black hair. Oh, I know where that one is of your brother. Yeah. And then I had, you know, and I had uh, braces, and then Doug was wearing a <laughs> liner, and he had all kinds of different color hair, and yeah, we were so yep. gothy. And all Ooh. I ever had, because I had a really good paying job, I was a, a, a train operator at the time, so I had, and I was paying really super low rent at the time, so I would spend a lot of my extra money on goth clothes. So I had hella latex and leather stuff, and that was it. Total gothy. I mean, anyway. I've seen your boots, so I'm not really surprised. <laughs> Right. Oh yeah. Those yeah. boots that. Oh man. Hey, Doc Doom Bunny. Got you. He saw mm-hmm. those boots when. Uh, and this was just like uh, a couple weeks ago, but it was three years ago. Uh, we were out there visiting, and I wore those high goth boots of mine with all the buckles. And I looked up to take a drink of water, and I didn't see the curb, and I hit it. And that's when I slammed into both of my knees, and now they have these scars on both of them. And and and. Impact was was the one who administered. They, you know, Impact. If you didn't have that first aid kit there, that I would have literally, and the blood was flowing. I would have been bleeding all over everything at the at the time. So I, I never that's properly. Why good, that's why a good RLSH always carries mm-hmm. a good first aid kit. Take me. There you go. Exactly. First thing, first thing, man. That first aid kit. When somebody goes, "What kind of training should we have?" Freaking first, first aid. aid. Medical. That's mm-hmm. I mean, what are you okay, so you know, that's a good point too. You are LSH real life superheroes for those who don't know who are listening. If you're going, what you know, what is the best training to have? Let's say you got every like the matrix they plugged you in and you got all the badass martial arts. You knew how to how to uh be the best detective in the world, you knew it just everything, okay? But you didn't know first aid. How freaking useless would you be? That would be bad. Yep. Yeah, so um, yeah, I was going to say, I, I'll say as somebody who has a doctorate in psychology, but not a doctorate in physical medicine, knowing, um, knowing the basics and knowing basic sort of EMT, real basic medic kind of stuff is absolutely indispensable even in my work because I've worked with folks and been able to make quick sense of being out in the world and noticing when there's something wrong and help being legitimately helpful instead of being somebody peppering someone with questions that I don't really know whether they're relevant Um, or being on the job and having, you know, a medical condition come up and being able to respond to it appropriately. It's that's one of the best preparedness things you can have, honestly, above and beyond all the rest. Boom. Because there There are plenty of people who don't know. Even basic first aid. Knowing how to properly put on CPR first aid. Yeah, doing that, helping keep knowing how one is to be mobilized or immobilized or sort of helped while we are waiting for people who have more qualifications than we do. Um, things like that, always, always useful. I grew up out in the sticks, and my mother was one of those people who, you know, it would be a snowy day, it would be a beautiful day, it didn't matter. Everywhere we went, there was an accident, I swear to you. And wow. she'd, be, she'd look at me and, when I was little and say, stay in the car. She'd get out. She'd help out with it. You know, she'd come back. 
I'd ask about it. She'd tell me a little bit and everything would be on its way. And when I, as soon as I became, you know, a young adult, you know, I think I was like 18 or 19 driving up to Chicago from Indianapolis and uh, going to see some friends. And there was a pretty nasty accident. Somebody had hit a motorcyclist and he was down the, um, the slope on the side that were on the sides of the road. Yeah. And, I- you know, you've got a bunch of people sort of shocky and freaking out and stuff like that. And they're all saying, Hey, try and move, try and move. So, you know, I got there. Fortunately, I was very early on and jumped down the ravine with him, sat next to him. And I said, okay, sweetheart, I don't want you to move but I want you to tell me what happened. What do you remember? Da, 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 da. And finding out all of the things along the way, one, helping to determine whether he's alert and how alert he is. Does anything hurt? Does anything feel bad? And while I'm saying that, I'm looking at things like, what do his fingernails look like? Are they turning any colors that I should be aware of? You know, if I gently press on a fingernail, what's that going to do? What's that going to show me? You know, and stuff like that. And sort of in a sense, I also have the job when I'm on a place like that, if I'm the first person on, unless somebody can come on and tell me that they are a medic, and I know legitimately they are. Um, it's sort of my place at that point when somebody comes over and goes, hey, take your helmet off, for me to say, absolutely not. We don't yeah. take the helmet off until the EMTs or until the medics are here. That's who, or until the firefighters are here, because they're trained to know if that's a good idea or not. And dude who stopped on the you know side of the road whose brother got in the wreck once upon a time and they took off his helmet, that's not a good idea. <laughs> so no. that's why training like that is good because, one, you can't just say, oh, yeah, I think I know what's going on, and then that person kind of shouts you down, you feel stupid, you walk away, and then that person injures the person who's been in the accident. As instead, you get to stand your ground and say, no, that's not how it's going to go down, but you can go get a blanket so this guy doesn't go into shock. You know, let's try and keep that at bay. There so. you go. Number. See, guys, even if you've got a doctorate in psychology, you need to know this. Mm-hmm. If, if you're wondering what can I do while I'm home, hey, just start looking this stuff up. Go to reputable sites, though, you know, and we'll, we'll hunt those down yeah. for you, you know, put up links for you. Uh, but start, you know, start ingesting all that now while you're home. What else are you doing? <laughs> well, you know. Not to Mm -hmm. devalue those who actually are out there doing essential work still and have to work their butts off. Hey, no, we uh, we totally value and appreciate you guys. So, um, but yeah, one thing, one thing that real life superheroes and anyone can do: go and get freaking first aid training. Anyone, there's no excuse for anyone on the earth to not have it. You know, unless you live, you know, in a village somewhere. Where anyway, anyway, let's uh, moving on. (laughs) Um, You know. When all of this started, okay, so, and, and, you know, we know each other, so I know when you guys started sheltering in place, pretty much around the same time mm-hmm. we did, which was right around um, St. Patrick's Day. And I remember, th- I remember thinking to myself, I, you know, that first week, I felt really calm. I was like, we're okay. We got this. You know, mm-hmm. we got supplies. We're good. We can stay in as long as we need to. That first week, there was a strange calmness that settled. It, it felt like even when mm-hmm. everyone else mm-hmm. was freaking out. But then by about the third or fourth week, it started to fade. And, and then this, this, that's when I noticed I was having these really awful dreams. It was by the third week, I would say, really yep awful vivid dreams and I'm noticing on Facebook everybody else is having these awful dreams and they can't sleep right and now the anxiety's taking hold can I ask you that's my first mm-hmm. question why around the three week mark I swear to you it felt like 
everyone all at once was mm-hmm. just starting to lose their shit. What's going on? Well, part of that is, I mean, everybody's got a sort of different set point, right? Like mm-hmm. there's the people who sort of lost it early on. They heard there was going to be a shut-in. They freaked out. They're like, oh, my God, it's going to be Armageddon. We're all going to die. I have to have all the toilet paper in the world. You know, they lost their minds on that. That was one subset of people. Then there was another subset of people who um, were doing the um, – they were in and, you know – all this stuff. I mean, I think I came to it probably uh, this sort of squirreliness a little later because I actually ended up sheltering in place later than all of you guys did. Our general household um, sheltered in place, but I was still working and correct right. at that right. particular moment. And so I was still, and it was in a, it was in a um, frontline setting with folks who had um, psychiatric um, and behavioral issues going on that couldn't be um, couldn't stay in the gen pop in the general population of a prison in, here in the state of California, and so I was working in that setting um, and trying to negotiate. Actually, in that case, I was at that time I was trying to help uh, do a little psychoeducation with all of my patients about um, about mental health, about, um, you know, how to think about things like illnesses that go around, um, disasters, things like that. Because they had a very, you know, these are guys who did not have the freedom to move around and make choices and be in a house and watch TV when they wanted and do the things they wanted to do when they wanted. So they were kind of at the mercy of whatever the institution wanted and needed them to do and whatever the COs who were on and the staff who were on wanted them or needed them to do or didn't. Um, So, you know, it, it was a very interesting little period for me to watch that. Um, So I kind of, in a way I had kind of a front row seat for everybody else who I knew getting very squirrely around probably the three months to a three week to a month mark. Um, and then it kind of settled down again, it looks like. Um, people kind of got out a few yayas, figured out some coping strategies that settled down, and then it sort of fired up again. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of that is because, you know, we are creatures of habit. We do like sort of, you know, as much as we like having breaks from it, we also like sort of having our routines in place. Human beings are relatively good. We kind of like deviate on them. We like to do that, but we kind of like to have some of our stuff in place. We like certain kinds of familiarity. And sometimes that's also a place where we might go to avoid things we don't want to think about, you know, on a daily basis. Maybe there's something that needs attention in our relationships in our relationship with ourselves, with, um, how we're feeling about, um, what's going on around us, all these things. But because we tend to stay busy, especially in this particular era, um, we don't have quite as much time that we're face-to-face with it in the same way. Um, Hmm. And I would say that um, a lot of the squirreliness, you know, if I were to, for instance, if I were to use myself as an example, I came to the squirrely party a little later. Uh, I got a great dose of it this week. Your poor brother did too. Um, Oh, wow. And... I'm like, poor bastard. Um, but uh, so here I am 
and, you know, my house is how it is. You know, I've got children. I've got critters. We, our house isn't huge. So, you know, everything sort of has kind of a place. But, you know, it can get rowdy in here very quickly. I was fine with that first week I was home. I was like, yeah, okay. We'll gradually pick it up. It'll be fine. Well, by this week, I've lost my mind. I <laughs> thoroughly lost my mind. I'm like, I'm going to burn it down. I want to build a new house in the back. Like, the anxiety is over the top. And why is that, you ask? Well, I'll tell you. I'm using myself as an example. I am here without the normal inputs of my coworkers, whether I like them or not. They're sort of regular fixtures in the world. The people I see bump into, it gives me a little variety, a little sense of balance. Now, that's some of that's my more extroverted nature. But, you know, the things that I use in the world to feel good about myself, um, a lot of us, in the States at least, really, you know, value ourselves sometimes on things like bringing in a paycheck, Um, being able to say we did good kinds of work or that we, you know, went out and we, like, made the scene or, you know, did whatever it is that we do to sort of anchor what is our sense of self, how do we see ourselves, Um, and keep that momentum. And now that we're all sitting inside – and here we are, just at first feeling pretty okay. Wow, I can clean things. Hey, I'll get to do all these things I haven't gotten to do before, like knit this, that, and the other. Maybe I'll paint some walls. Maybe I'll do this. But at the end of the day, the one thing that none of us can get away from is that we are met very squarely with the difficulties of intimacy with other people. Right, because mm-hmm. anywhere where there are those little fissures, any of those places where it's hard, you know, the hardest relationship we have is with who, whoever is closest to us, right? Mm-hmm. Because that familiarity can oftentimes spiral into an unconscious sense of here, hold this, here, this unresolved crap in me, you hold this, here, the mm-hmm. fact that my room is a mess right now, Ed, this is somehow your fault, <laughs> darling. <laughs> Um, and you know, like we do this, you know, or maybe it's that, you know, oh, we're off, we're off schedule, you know, in this case, you know, Dr. Pollock, why are we off schedule? You know, we're all off schedule, Ah, you know, like the things that we find uncomfortable, we are most apt to put off on the people around us. Right. And, um, the, another way you can psychologically look at that, too, that maybe is a little less malicious sounding and I think also has some real merit is to say sometimes we have a difficult time sitting with our own discomfort about ourselves and maybe the choices we make, um, how we see ourselves, how we really desperately don't want to see ourselves, um, how we operate in the world, and we have, suddenly we're faced squarely with it. And sometimes, like in my case, the one I cited where, you know, I barked well at your brother, um, (laughs) part of that may have had some reality. And part of that is, you know, because most things are not just, you know, um, a single item. It's usually a mixture of different things going on. But a part of that, too, may very well have been that I couldn't stand certain things about myself. And suddenly... I don't have my daily routine to give me the balance of going, well, today I can tolerate the fact that maybe I'm a really disorganized person 
or maybe I can get really lazy on certain things and it really bothers me that I'm like that or that I don't keep a house like, say, my parents did or whatever it is that the hang-up is, the belief is about oneself, right? And then suddenly here I am stuck with it. Now, maybe to person X that's not going to be in a thing, but to me it's very weighty as we all are with our various forms of baggage. And so here we are holding that thing of baggage and it gets so uncomfortable and anxiety provoking that a lot of times then we have to do what I refer to as sharing it with other people. And it's an unconscious thing. I think that often we will do, which is we can sort of hand it off to somebody else. We share the discomfort of what it's like to be in our skin. And sometimes that happens by fighting. Sometimes it happens by nitpicking. Sometimes it happens by complaining about the environment. Sometimes, you know, it can be it can come out from a series of different ways, but subconsciously what you're trying to do is elicit the feeling in the other person that you yourself are having. And it's not an intentional thing. It's something human beings just do because human beings like to be in relation to each other. We like to function as little pack creatures. And so we try to get, it's the way that like we like to feel seen, we like to feel felt because that tells you you're on equal footing with the rest of the pack, right? And so here you are. And suddenly you're feeling horrible about yourself. You feel out of balance with everyone. If you're not aware that that's what's happening, or at least that's part of what's happening, you're going to be apt to get into, like, fights with your family, fights with other people. You're going to be apt to get out of balance with those things. Instead of doing the, hey, babe, can you do this? Or, hey, babe, I noticed this. And, you know, calm talking about it happens instead. It's just, like, everywhere because suddenly one person or the other is holding too much anxiety and they are basically giving it to the other person to say, please help me hold this. It's, a, it's a, something that oftentimes happens in therapy. You get somebody in therapy who gets really, like, out of whack about something, really angry, really da-da-da-da-da. You know, as a therapist, you learn to see that and go, okay, and just help them hold it with you so that they know they're not by themselves. And that's oftentimes what's going on in all this is everyone's anxiety is up. We see things we don't like about our lives. And to boot, it's all against the backdrop of, you know, a constant chatter about mortality. And that is always very frightening for people. People are afraid for themselves, afraid for other people. Um, And there's always this kind of like this, at least currently I'm seeing that there's a lot of, uh, like high spikes in anxiety, like, oh, my God, this is going to last forever. It's going to be like this and this and this, and it takes on this epic quality. And then it sort of dumps down to this other level where people jump into the, oh, no, it's not that bad. It's not that bad to try and manage the anxiety. And it's very common. People hate being anxious. Um, So uh, just on the face of it, there's that. As far as the dreams go, though, you know, there are a lot of people out there who are a lot more steeped in um, understanding the physiology of why that happened. Um, so that's kind of a road I'm not really going to go down from a neuropsych perspective. But, um, you know, from a psychological perspective, if you think about it, the different, you know, our dreams are often thought to be manifestations of, you know, the material we have, you know, it's our, some forms of psychology will refer to it as, you know, the great road to the unconscious, you know, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there's some truth to that. And I also think that um, because we are in a really pressured moment, you know, as 
you know, in the U.S. as a society and also worldwide as a society. We're all sort of sitting with bated breath going, holy crap, what happens next? Is this going to resolve itself or is this going to get worse? And we're all a little antsy about it because economically that can mean a lot of things. Socially, it means a lot of things. In terms of people's health and well-being, it means a lot of things. And for a lot of people, it may also bring up the question of, do we truck up and leave to somewhere else, which is a huge question. Um, and in a sense, even though a lot of us are functioning very normally, we're doing it against that kind of a backdrop. And so that's certainly going to affect all of our stress hormones, um, our sleep hormones, our um, hormones that regulate uh, satiation, happiness, sadness. You know, it's why you're probably going to see people eating a lot more things like sugar or caffeine or things that normally would sort of up serotonin or up dopamine in them um, to try and sort of balance out the brain chemistry a little. And a great example of um, what happens with dreams and stuff is, it, you know, if somebody is dealing with clinical depression, for instance, and they start taking um, a medication to help with that depression to alleviate some of those symptoms to a certain extent, to lessen the impact. Um, one of the things people commonly notice is a change in the dream content or a change in the dream structure. Um, so there are those parts, too, where, you know, you're also dealing with, you know, your brain's being based in a lot of chemicals that it wouldn't normally have or that maybe it would have more of. So that's taken into account. I also don't like to discount the idea that, you know, depending on your culture, depending on the people you come from, um, you know, I don't like to just approach things like dreams as only a, you know, Western scientific sort of thing. It's also, you know, for a lot of cultures and for a lot of people who are, you know, they themselves are in those cultures or adjacent to those cultures and have a relationship to that. You know, it can also be a time that one is having sort of a spiritual um, or a, an ancestral connection. Um, you know, I, as a, as a psychologist, I don't think that it's my place to say whether something is or is not. I think, I think each individual has to have that answer for themselves of what they feel is correct. But I think there are a lot of people who I'm speaking to who are seeing family members in their dreams. They are mm-hmm. having those experiences for whom, you know, that's culturally appropriate. Other friends for whom that's not culturally appropriate, I'm hearing other things about their dreams. And so those might be things that are, you know, very salient, sort of the things that give you a certain kind of coping, stress relief, resiliency, and ways to sort of practice attending to certain things that are concerns before they're right in your face. I think it's a combination of all those things. Wow. Wow. You know, you're sitting here saying this and, and Bug and I are looking at each other, especially when you were talking about the baggage and the anxiety and, and, and having to have someone, you know, go and care hold this. And we're both going, Oh, Mm -hmm. wow. Wow. That's, that's a, I mean, I think that we work out our stuff pretty well. We, we have pretty decent communication and shut up your mother and uh when we when we have stuff going on here you know i we both know it's because i mean honestly the fact that we've been sitting here with each other for we've seen each other every freaking day for i don't even know how long 
There is mm-hmm. no hope of getting away from each other for a while. Yeah. Like, rising. <laughs> yep. Vision. Blurry. Freeze. Yes. Okay. Over. But, but yeah, when you were saying that, it was like you were talking specifically to us, like you'd been hiding in the bushes. So. <laughs> yeah, you no, are just our... hiding in my own bushes over here. Oh, yeah. No, I had to. I had to. The. Now, here's the thing for any, anyone who's listening. One of the one of the things that can make this a golden opportunity, uh, always the phrase which can make one uh, cringe mightily, um, <laughs> is <laughs> exactly. Uh, Doc, uh, really is that um, as much as it's painful to be locked in the house with everyone and all that stuff, it really is also an opportunity to be able to look at and explore some of that stuff within ourselves that maybe is unresolved. And at least for myself, you know, it was a nice moment this weekend to go, okay, this part place and this part over here was just my material and I'm responsible for that. So I'm sorry for being that person right now, you know, and no, not a lot else about it, you know, beyond like, instead of like, well, let me tell you all the reasons why it's not my fault. You know, it's kind of more like, well, yeah, I, you know, it's painful to have to say it, but going, yeah, I, I was that jerk right now. I, I really said that. Oh, wow. Jesus. Okay. And thinking to myself, <laughs> okay, the next time I'm frustrated, how do I not? You know, uh, what part of me is telling myself that this is acceptable? What part of me isn't? And really taking <clears throat> taking a little bit of, a, if you will, an inventory of that and kind of going, okay, is that really an okay way to talk to a partner? Would I accept that from someone? Then why am I handing that out? You know? Wow. Um, why am I saying this in this manner rather than this manner? Why did I say it at this moment rather than this moment? And that's not, you know, a, you know, an excuse to also go to the other end of things and make myself completely like a depressed blob and be like, I, I suck, you know, cause that's, that, that never helps. Um, so you want to go to the other side of it and go be, try and stay in as neutral a spot as possible and say, you know, was that really and truly reasonable? When I take away all the justifications, when I take away all the defensiveness about it, I don't have to answer to anybody. I don't have a natural right or wrong. Am I really proud of myself for speaking that way? Is that the way a partner should be spoken to? Wow. And if it's not, why did I do it? You know, is there some underlying thing I'm not attending to? About the relationship? Is there some underlying something about myself and my feelings about myself? Is there something I've been sitting on that I'm not bringing up at a calmer moment to attend to and to start conversations about, you know, what, what's sort of my next step of how I can be accountable um, and compassionate toward the other person? You know, and I mean, all relationships have a little bit of tension in them. If they didn't, you know, that would be simply unheard of. Um, <laughs> but, you know, having... right. You know, it's like, what is, what's the right level of tension for that partnership? Good question. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's also, it is something to be keenly aware of because the longer that we are in shelter in place, even if we get to go out to like walk to um, or drive to the nearest store and go pick up a fancy new pair of pants or whatever, um, mm-hmm. or eventually go get a haircut or whatever the foolishness is, 
we're probably going to be looking at having to do this a couple of times before, you know, at least by the way all the data looks, before uh, the COVID stuff is under control enough to do something that's quote-unquote back to normal. Um, I think it is questionable as to what that normal will look like eventually. Um, But I think it's a good thing to keep in mind, like, how is one speaking to the people around them? And also the other side of it, which is, you know, looking at do you have a partner or a spouse, um, significant other, family member who is also sheltering place with you who is potentially a little bit out of control on that front? Um, And that's something always to pay attention to because sometimes, you know, we all have our different levels of damage and stuff, and we all have our different levels of justification for that. I know the there's a lot about domestic violence. Um, it's domestic violence that is both against men and against women. Um, and those who identify um, and non-binary and sort of looking at that and going, okay, what, you know, what needs to be attended to there, you know, is recognizing where maybe a partner's behavior is getting out of control, you know, because we are all in tight quarters. And if it's getting to the point where things are coming to a head going, okay, let me think ahead to, so if it hits a point that is unacceptable, if the other person puts their hands on me, if I put my hands on the other person, uh, what can I do to, to change this situation quickly? Like where else can I stay? Where else can I go be? Cause that, that can get, that can get rough in a minute. Definitely. That that is something that, <clears throat> and it's sad. Uh, that I know you've seen how uh, these domestic violence uh, homicide cases have t- have gone up uh, ever since yeah. the shelter in place. That's heartbreaking. Yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. heartbreaking. You know, and and if you're here, you're here, and you're you're stuck. You know, so um, mm-hmm. like you said, it's 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 tough. And I know there are these. There are these uh, memes that have been going around saying, if you're in a, you know, that type of relationship, send me this message asking me about soaps that I sell and, you know, just this code for help me get the fuck uh-huh. out of yourself. So, you know, and it's, it's just, that's another question I have that will we'll come down to, you know, in a little bit is, is because sometimes thinking about all that, you know, everything that's gone, that's gotten worse. Uh-huh while we've sheltered in place is just, it can weigh on you way too much. So, um, mm-hmm. but I do want to, I do want to shift a little bit. And, and this one's for the real life superheroes who are listening because um, <clears throat> this specifically, when you're out there helping others, because a lot of us, and I'm not going to say that I'm not uh, guilty of it. I, I feel good when I help other people, you know, it, it, it becomes this addiction to where, you know, you, you, you hand out a bunch of socks or some food. Like we just gave out 200 socks day before yesterday and, and a whole bunch of uh, warm clothing to a homeless camp. We did it so safely. They were so respectful. We drove up and they've seen uh, our car there so many times. They, they knew us and they backed up. They were so kind. And, and um, they go, do you need any help or do you have it? And Cause we had masks and gloves on. We go, Oh, we got it. We got it. You know, and, but one, you know, they, they're thanking you because suddenly they have new socks. Now I leave out of there feeling probably better than I've felt. In fact, I know you know how that feels because you do the same thing. 
even just giving loud oh, water. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's I, I've, I've done my I've done my 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 COVID car base drop offs. <laughs> there you go. Um, I, even, I like that when name. this. When this thing first happened, uh, Jaguar and I went out with bandanas on and walked around. And then since then, I've gone out where I've driven around and I'd stopped the car with a a mask on. And I'd probably, a lot of times I wouldn't bother with gloves because I was getting in and out of the car. But I'd, you know, run out, put stuff on on the, you know, 10 feet away from someone and say, here you go, and run run away. Um, So I've, I've, yeah, I've been doing it. I've, I'm there with you. Yeah, it's it's addicting. But what do we do? Because there's so many, and this was this was a big old topic a couple of weeks back. Um, and and another, you know, one of the uh, an impetus for the show is is was how to tell people who should be staying home and sheltering in place like you're supposed to to quit going out on patrol to quit. You know, to to fight back the yeah. urge to I gotta be out there, I gotta save the freaking world, and you're going, dude, well, calm the hell I, I down. Do, I, I do want to add though that mm-hmm. largely that has dropped off. I remember when we did the first show. Yeah. I don't know, about that a, a month ago. Yeah. There was still a few holdouts who were going out. Since then, yeah. it, I haven't mm-hmm. seen. I'm sure there's a couple people, but I have not seen a one person True. going out. On a patrol, I've seen handouts. Yeah. And in my and I classify that different. And I said that during that show, I'll say it again. There's a difference between a a worthwhile risk and a not worthwhile risk. And I think handing mm-hmm. out food to people who don't have it is a worthwhile risk because they're gonna die if they don't eat food. Also. So. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. So. Yeah. So I think the question that I have is. There are still people there, and, and and although they have been good, and God bless you people for taking this seriously and not treating it like it's the flu, because it's not. Am Yo-y. I talking to you? You tell me if I'm talking to you. I probably anyway. Um, thank you for staying in. But but how to deal with the the itch? And I swear it's an itch. I see it. I read about it all the time. These guys want to just go out and do it. What do you say to them? Mm-hmm. To to and like I said, I know you don't have all the answers, but but I know you know that you probably know where the mindset is because you've been following us for a while oh, too. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So what you well, know? It, what can we I say? Think, well, I think too there is a. I think I have a very similar mindset. I think a lot of people who went into helping professions because they deeply believe in um, being of help to others, of making the world a better place, in defending people in their suffering and doing things like that, I think we all have a very similar mindset. And I think one of the things that's hardest for people like us, too, is to go, okay, because, you know, for the last bunch of weeks, I've not gone back to correctional work. I went hard stop because the where I was was not taking the, you know, wasn't taking the uh, the COVID stuff particularly seriously. Um, so that was one reason I had, I chose not to continue. Um, and I didn't, you know, try to sign on to another assignment in another place is because I just was like, no, I can't. Not right now. This puts my family in danger. But for me to also know that there's work out there to be done, that there are people who need help, 
and I can't be one of the people helping them is excruciating. Um, so I can certainly, you know, identify with that. And uh, one of the things that I've noted is that, you know, if I'm, in my case, I have to pay attention to sort of the question of, okay, what brought me to doing this, right? Um, and as a psychologist, I've had to ask myself that question, because if you don't, you become a liability to yourself and to your patients, right? Because mm-hmm. if you're one of those people who's like, I'm going to go, you know, I, fortunately, I was old enough and I had enough experience in my life that I wasn't coming into wanting to study psychology going, I'm going to, I'm such a good helper. I'm such a good helper, you know, and there's some people who've come into it younger, maybe less experienced, maybe less self-exploration under their belt who are like, you know what, I'm a, I am a, you know, good so-and-so and I'm going to go out there and help. And then they're trying so hard to help. They run over their own ethical lines that they sort of their boundaries get skewed. Things go awry. They do things they're not supposed to do because they want to be helpful. And I think all of us, I think honestly, every profession, every, or even just every avocation that people have, um, it's useful to think about what brought me to this, both the good things about you and the things that maybe are a little more on the broken side, because that sometimes speaks to, okay, I'm itching to go out. Well, part of it is a positive thing and give ourselves the props that, you know what, we want to do that. We're good people. We don't want to see people suffer. We want to be a voice for positive change and all that. Sometimes it's useful to also look at like, you know, the more sticky parts, like, huh, am I trying to make up for something? Am I trying to apologize for something about myself? Do I feel like if I'm not helping people, I'm somehow unworthy? Um, Do I feel like my health is less worthy than someone else's? You know, and it's not that those questions are good or bad, whatever those answers are, but it's a matter of coming to the place of knowing sort of the deck you're holding. Um, so you're well aware. So that way it's a little easier to steer yourself and to make thoughtful decisions rather than an impulsive decision about it, um, about what you're willing to do, what you're not willing to do, or how you're willing to prioritize your health. You have sort of a better stance when you have looked at that a little more solidly and being in this culture this is not a culture that likes to look at ourselves in that way right so right this is why we have people like me out there who are like by the way there's this way to look at yourself i'm an absolute dud at a party but i'm great in a therapy room hooray <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me the question at the party. people will claw away um but oh but it's you know absolutely uh it's a Oh no no no! It's uh, I I was gonna um, I was gonna bring out. I thought I think uh, somebody we had a caller who was gonna ask a question or or uh, say something, and um, we dropped the call. Or let me check. I oh, know. Okay. I mean, if, if if the call's gone, I have something. I have a similar a question, like as a yeah. sideways follow up. Yeah. So okay. cool. This is one that's been driving me nuts. Um. So there's a lot of people, um, and I'm going to, again, look this back to the RLSH community, of you know, people who supposedly want to go out and help others, who seem mm-hmm. so freaking angry that they have to wear a mask, that they come up with any excuse to why they shouldn't have to. Uh-huh. I, I, posted something, yeah. I posted something that today that was like, you know, 
you know, if, if the mask prevents the spread of disease, you've helped save a life. If it doesn't, the worst thing that you've done is you've worn a mask for no reason. And someone responded with how, you know, oh, I, this very, very incorrect information about not getting the bacteria you need to be immune to things, which oh, I, I don't have time to go in. I don't have time to go into every reason. Oh, I'll take that on. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> like I, need a, I need a week to figure that, to, like, go into that. But, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but, like, the psychology of, the, of these people who, and I know another guy, and these are both superheroes. That are, and another mm-hmm. guy is like, I want to go to a store and take off the mask of everyone I see in there and cough in the race. I'm like, see, you're okay. And I've tried to explain why it's, why it's a big deal. But maybe you can help me figure out why these people who seem to want to you help know, people don't seem to care. Well, let me I, – I actually had this discussion last week with a god sister of mine um, because she's been towing much of the same line. And, you know, me being me, I don't want to be disrespectful. I don't, you know, I can never say 100%, nor can anyone else, you know, that I know the absolute truth about anything because nobody really ever does. Um, 100% is a pretty hard line to hit and pretty impossible. Um, But what I will say is this. Um, One of the things that my degree taught me to study, because I went to a really good school, I'm really glad I did, because one of the things that taught me to study and to learn about was actually how to read research. And that included medical research. Um, I can now look at a study and I can read um, what, you know, read a couple of the factors that came out. And I can tell you by the numeration they have if that study was successful or if in the write-up they're kind of covering the fact that it wasn't successful, whether it was a valid study or not. And what mm-hmm. it actually said, simply by the numbers. And once you get a sense of that, you get a better sense of being able to look at studies and go, rather than hearing from, you know, wackadoodle X or wackadoodle Y, or having to take someone else's word for granted, you learn yourself by looking exactly at the numbers, learning about the measurements, learning about controls and studies, and why we have certain controls, and how studies should be structured in order to appropriately measure the things they say they will measure. And when you know that, you can look at any study that's done and you can make sense of it because you understand how a proper study is to be done and you understand what an improper study looks like too. Um, and unfortunately in our country with you know the radical drop in education and the radical drop in interest in education, over the last 30 years or so, probably more, um, we really have seen a tremendous drop off in people's abilities to discern facts based on things like that and to understand why those things are what they are. So what we're having is we're having groups of people wanting to go out and wanting to sort of act out their own anxieties because it doesn't make sense. You want to go out, you want to help people, you want to be part of the community, you want to serve your community, and yet you want to walk into a grocery store and regardless of whether you're doing what you're doing is right or wrong, I might add is like, okay, maybe the mask means something. Maybe it means nothing, but how hateful is it to walk into a grocery store when everybody is afraid 
And people are nervous and people are worried about their own well-being, the well-being of their children, the well-being of their parents, their grandparents, their friends, their lovers. And to walk up to them without a mask on and just be like, it's my right. That's cruel. That is deeply cruel. If this were just like, you should do it because it makes you a socially proper person, that would be a different story. But this is something where people are legitimately afraid for their well-being. And that's not the moment, in my opinion, as a psychologist and as an individual of society, it is not the moment to go, it's all about me. Personally, I could care less whether my mask is deeply effective, ineffective, whatever it is. I put on that mask not for me. I don't put on that mask going out there. I know what my numbers look like. I know what my immune system looks like, and I know what kind of virus we're dealing with and what the probability of me catching something is or is not. But I am certainly not going to go out and terrorize other people because I somehow think that's my right. And I would never, no matter what. I don't, it's the same way as I could go, you know, let's take it out of the health realm for a moment. If I walk into a 4th of July setting, right, I'm not a big flag waver. In fact, I kind of am not so psyched on it. I'm not that person. I've never been particularly jingoistic, you know, none of that kind of stuff. I've never been a yay-raw team kind of girl. But that doesn't mean that when I go to my parents' house and they and their friends who've always been really big into this stuff and who are very patriotic and very into this stuff, it does not give me the right to be such a nasty cold-hearted person is to walk into their 4th of July party and go, screw this, and start saying a bunch of stuff and acting in ways that are disrespectful to the people there. That's not part of building community. If I walk into a... And that right there is probably the most foundational thing. For any of the superheroes who are listening, you have every right to decide whether you on your own want to wear a mask or don't want to wear a mask. But... Please consider that there are people who are having to struggle mightily, and some of them have real fears about their well-being. And is it is going out there and deciding to blow it off in service to you or in service to your community? Because I'll also tell you, and this I know a tremendous amount about. Why? Because I've got a couple of friends who are very close to me who are Um, research scientists and doctors and believe me I pick their brains to death especially about stuff like this it took us close to a thousand years to develop anything like herd immunity to the flu and our flu mutates and it does all sorts of things and all of that and you can actually get away with some people choosing not to be vaccinated because they don't want to be for whatever reason. They might get sick. They might not get sick. It's luck of the draw. But that's because we have a thousand years of herd immunity under us, that that's even a remote possibility. And because a lot of people do take the vaccine, which ups the herd immunity, though didn't do so naturally. And if, you don't have to agree with that. But those are the facts on the ground. This is a particular mutation of the COVID virus. Um, that of the coronavirus specifically that is not one that we have immunity for. I think it is a fair thing to say, to say we will be working on herd immunity for a long time 
on this particular variant. This one is tough. It goes after multiple systems in the body, and it plays on the one thing that modern modern people across the world are full with, and that's inflammation. And there isn't anybody who's going to be immune from that one. And the fact is that it's, you know, all well and good for you to say thin the herd, thin the herd, but it's not up to you. It's not up to anyone to decide that it's your right to thin that herd yourself and who then is the recipient of that. And, and to, that's and like to firing add to a loaded that. gun into someone's house and saying, well, it may hit somebody, it may not. And that's, maybe that's, maybe you can do that, but it's not part of being a positive member of society. It's not a member of being a positive member of a community and it's not building on something positive. It's deciding that you're going to do it because you feel that you have a right to harm somebody else's existence. And that is, that is something that I would suggest if anyone's feeling that way, they should look at. You don't have to like it. You don't have to agree with all the things, but to go out and be wantonly cruel to other people when they are legitimately in fear of their well-being is not the thing. I mean, there that I so, have a strong opinion about, obviously. So just, just, to, just to add a real quick, um, so two, two real quick things. Uh, the first is, so I, I mentioned traveling a lot for my job. Um, it, I'm mm-hmm. primarily on military bases. Um, mm-hmm. And every day, mm-hmm. depending on the base, either at 4, 4.30, 5 o'clock, whatever, they play Reveille or retreat rather, sorry, mm-hmm. we, you know, which is the national anthem. And as, mm-hmm. as government contractors, we're not, even, we're not technically required to stop what we're doing, but we do because that's what everyone else does. You do it as, to respect mm-hmm. the environment exactly. that you're in, which is the same as wearing the mask. And exactly. the other thing, which is touches on just something else you said about the immunity is, and granted, this was a few weeks ago. He and I had this conversation. My bro- my brother is a, is an infectious disease doctor, and mm-hmm. we talked about and he and I have talked about how the immu- how immunity works, particularly to this mm-hmm. virus, which is, and maybe this has changed, but as far as I'm aware, it hasn't. Um, that just because you got corona does not mean you will not get it a second time. Exactly, and right now they're trying to figure out whether. There's some kind of odd mechanism in which it sort of stays in the body and boomerangs on you after a few, like some forms of malaria might do, or whether you don't have enough of an antibody response after one round or multiple right. rounds for that matter. So, like, to everyone yep. out there who thinks, you know, I'll just get it and because I'm young and healthy, I'll be fine. You might get it and then get it again and then get it again and then die or, yeah. you know, or recover eight mm-hmm. times. But it, mm-hmm. you might get it because we don't know. It's too novel to know. Exactly. And the other I part think is that's... that if oh, we were sick right off the bat, it would be one thing because then we could go, okay, well, I'm sick. Well, gee, maybe I'll stay home. But it's the part that there's – Um, an infectious incubation period that is without symptoms. That's the reason you wear the mask. You know, everyone's like, oh, well, that person over there coughing all over everyone. I'm like, that person might well be sick. They might not. I don't know. But I know that 
asymptomatic means you have no symptoms. That doesn't mean you have some symptoms. That means you have none. And that that's the period of time when people are most likely to catch it from you, from what I'm understanding. And so that is something to consider is that it's like, you know, you're going to think twice if you're playing fast and loose. And then one day you happen to bring it home Mm -hmm. to somebody and you're faced with the fact that you're the reason that that person keeled over. And that could be somebody close to you. And it's like, do you want to have taken that chance? Do you want to have like been the reason that somebody else lost a loved one? Really? Yeah. That seems rather cruel. Go ahead. I was going to read, um, We've got uh, Shadarko in the chat room. Shadarko is uh, in charge currently of our San Francisco branch. And for his job, he's at the uh, the LGBT national hotline. Um, so he's heard probably a lot more of this kind of issue dealing with the, the isolation than we could comprehend. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's saying something I've been seeing here at work at the hotline is an uptake of people who want to volunteer on the lines so they can be there for others. Which is wonderful. Which is great. But um, most of them have been great in understanding that right now all of our volunteers are working remotely and not in the office. But they've had a few that got extremely upset that they can't come into a location to volunteer. And after explaining about distancing and safety to them and to our staff, they've told me that they'd be willing to put themselves at risk to train. (laughs) And... He said, I mean, that's dedication, I guess, but it's also a total lack of understanding that the precautions are for them and for us to keep everyone safe. It's also a sign of not mm-hmm. being that great of listening, <laughs> which is about 100% of what our job is there. Yeah. Uh, Agreed. And, you know, I'm thinking that there's, it's, it's very telling uh, where, where we are right now. Um, it's just, it's, that the arrogance here, and and you were talking earlier about thinking of leaving, you know, just just going. I'm mm-hmm. I'm moving, and you know, it, I we've got deep roots here in the San Francisco area, mm-hmm. and and you know, if, even if I didn't, even if I were willing to sever all my ties, uh, you know, our son has really wonderful teachers and um, and everything else, mm-hmm. but. There, you know, there are times, and and we hope we don't get pushed to this, but there are times when you just think, I've had enough, I'm done, I've had enough, I'm look, I'm seeing where this yeah. is going, and it's not getting any better. So the arrogance, and and I'm, when I'm being most petty, uh, when I've had enough, I'm like, <laughs> you arrogant bastard, thinking that you know better than, of course we've got an idiot in the White House that that thinks he knows more. Um, than any expert out there, any actual expert out there. So, you know, other his sheep are following suit. Sorry, if you don't like that, mm-hmm. fuck off. Um, anyway, um, the <laughs> fact that there are people out there who think that they know more than the experts, you know, that's when I'm petty, I'll, I'll say that. When I'm being more mm-hmm. compassionate, I think maybe it's just that they're really afraid. And this is the fear talking mm-hmm. and the denial. The denial is, is their tool for coping. But, it's, you know, and normally we wouldn't give a rat's butt what you do, you know, to, to fuel your, you know, whatever it is you need to get through your day. But when it comes to the safety of others, that's when, you know, this isn't just something you can go, oh, live and let live, let people do. No, this is when you really do mm-hmm. have to 
say something. You know, I told a lady who was, mm-hmm. they, they have these, these one way arrows in, in our grocery store. Now, believe it or not, you can only take your cart down one way. This whole line, big line, uh, you know, Safeway is our big chain of stores here mm-hmm. in San Francisco area. Now they have these arrows that say this way, one way. And they're trying to do that so that you're not crossing paths so closely with other people in these tight little, you know, grocery aisles. Mm-hmm. Uh, one lady just the other day or last week was just full on ignoring it. And, um, you know, t- people were trying to crowd to get around her. And I said, excuse me, you, you are going the wrong way. And she looked at me and literally waved me off. <laughs> and it wasn't wow. one of those days that I wanted to be waved off. I did my best. I said, no, this is for everyone's safety, not just yours. You need to turn your cart around so people can get around you safely. You're going the wrong way. You know, and I tried again. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me and she goes, no, 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 like that. And I was like, oh, that's it, bitch. (laughs) And normally (laughs) I'm all about de-escalation. It's the first thing we try to teach our students. And and I was like, oh, not today. This is my health. Serenity now. Oh, my God. Mm. So I went, you need to turn around right now. You need to turn that cart around. You are going the wrong way. You're getting, you know, I don't know. I know that that bug was kind of like, oh, Jesus, here's my wife. And (laughs) uh, (laughs) I I saw that look on your face, bug, like, here we go. But she finally ended up, you know, she goes, you're crazy. And I didn't care. And I thought, yeah, let me show you how crazy I can be. But you need to turn your ass around because you're in Mm -hmm. our way getting us possibly sick so goodbye go Mm -hmm. you know and and now is the time because I'm trying to be nice I was trying to be I I will always forever I don't care who you are I would try to forever approach it in a nice way but if you come at me with something Mm -hmm. but yes it's it's kind of driving me crazy that that I saw a meme that just it 100% 100% truth. We're fighting two two battles right now, and one against is against COVID, and the other one is against stupidity. You know, mm-hmm. and that's when I feel like going. Okay, I'm going to follow those plans like I wanted to. I either wanted to move to Hawaii or New Zealand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I hear you. New Zealand. New Zealand's looking really good right about now. I tell you what. Yeah, it's. I've had more than a few thoughts myself, but I'm like, well, you know, can't move anywhere with kids right now, so I'm just sitting good. But, you know, same I, here. I I know what you're saying on that because, <laughs> right. uh, you I know, think, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, you you. Oh no, I was I was going to say that. Um, there were, gosh, there's so many other things I wanted to ask you about because, uh, but we've, we've got 50, I can't believe it, we've got 15 minutes left. This bumps me out because I have so many more questions. Um, <laughs> but hey, you I'll come back most... next week or whenever you do again. I'm oh, happy hell to yeah. It. No, absolutely. Um, and, and we mean that when we say that, we do. We bring people back and do it again. Uh, um, because I do want to know, um, Mm-hmm. Because you worked in a correctional, our, our listeners were hearing, you were mentioning a mm-hmm. correctional facility. And, um, man, now more of that I'd really like to get into how they were handling it. Because these are, like you said, these are people who are used to their lives being dictated in a certain way anyway. So you just can't freely move about. 
and and how they were handling it. I mean, it's one thing to have your way of life in the prison, you know, um, being you know told and uh, what's that? And and then and and yeah, and another to say, okay, now you have to do this, but there's something that could break out in the prison at any point because mm-hmm. of you know what's going on and the outside <clears throat> is reaching inside. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to yeah. talk more about that the next time we bring you on. Um, oh, absolutely. I'm happy to do that. Um, and let's see what was – oh, one question I have to ask you. Um, sure. What would you do – because um, I think we only have time for maybe one or two more questions. What do you tell yourself? Because there are a lot of people out there who are getting really – depressed and and focusing on everything that's going wrong and you know everybody's already 2020 sucks it's only the beginning of the Mm -hmm. year and i know so far yes we have a pandemic going Mm -hmm. on and there are but what do you say when when you you know when you you if i were to tell you okay i'm starting to think of everything that's going wrong right now and it's starting to drag me down and i feel myself sinking in Mm -hmm. this hole what would you say well, there are a series of different things. I mean, um, one of the things to pay attention to is, um, you know, just from a clinical standpoint, is this the first time that you have found yourself dealing with depression? And right now, how severe is it? You know, this isn't the time to sort of mince about going, no, no, I'll tough it out if you are really in a place of crisis with it. Um, there are a lot of people suffering a lot, and maybe it was, depression symptoms that a person could run from or that they could kind of, you know, stay back from a little, maybe ignore by staying busy or all of that. But suddenly there's a change in things and the symptoms got a lot worse. Um, Some people aren't functioning. Some people are feeling suicidal. And I think that's something that um, everyone needs to be very honest with themselves and with people around them about. And if you're around folks, family members, Maybe your family isn't comfortable with that kind of stuff, isn't comfortable with mental health stuff, or that's not part of your culture. Um, It's something that there are a lot of agencies. There are hospitals. There are advice nurses. There are so many things to, you know, help. Go online and find, you know, a little tick-off list of depression symptoms and see where you fall. Um, You know, there are a lot of things with uh, national mental health um, organizations and stuff like that that have things online. It's something to be very well aware of um, because right now a lot of people are falling into depression. A lot of people are fighting it because it's a very stressful fog and your brain being based in stress hormones over and over and over again does somewhat predispose you. You know, it has a bit of a negative effect. You can do a lot of behavioral things during the course of your day, during the course of your week to try and alleviate some of that. One of them is look at how, like, what are you doing to sort of relieve your stress? Are you taking a walk in the neighborhood and social distancing from other folks? Is there a way, is there a front yard or a backyard you can go into just to be able to leave the house that's safe for you? Um, If you don't have that, is there another way? Can you, do stretching? Can you do some form of exercise? Can you play games? Can you do something that's a little bit sort of kind of takes the steam off a bit? Some people are recreationally baking. I know nobody who does that. 
nobody at all. <laughs> um, and uh, fortunately, we've been the recipient of said baking, so you know I can def- I can say that's pretty cool. Um, but you know there are those things that one needs to look at around all of that. It's you know another thing to do too is to um, you know have yourself aware of facts to the extent that you can and have your people you talk to. I mean, I'm an extremely social person. I have to leave my house at least once a day um, because I really get squirrely if I don't. I need human interaction a lot. Um, And some of what I do is I'm getting on Zoom calls and I'm talking to friends of mine across the U.S. and just talking about stupid shit. Sometimes it's a matter of I have a friend who's really struggling right now and I just need to call and listen. I don't. I, I may not even have to fix it for him, but call and listen. And if I'm feeling in a crappy mood, sometimes calling and listening is really useful because it sort of allows me to be of service to someone else. And sometimes that kind of gets me out of my head some. Other days, it's that I may go on a couple of um, Zoom calls with a friend and be like, hey, this is a picture of what my room is looking right right now. Help me figure out what part to you know, pick up or put away or put in plastic bags to be gotten rid of when, you know, there finally are trash, bulky trash pickups again. You know, it's, it can be little stuff, little senses of accomplishment, little senses of self-care. It doesn't have to be you sit and you have the most, like, epic bathtub thing with the greatest music and, like, some <laughs> fine candy and wine and what 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 um, another thing to be aware of, too, is a lot of people are drinking a lot to deal with sort of the emotional content of feeling kind of stuck and feeling anxious. Mm. And it's something yeah. just kind of like, go, okay, you know, there's no harm in taking the edge off. But if you're finding that you're going through a lot more than you're used to going through of any substance, really, um, it might be something worth looking at. Um, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, it's indicative necessarily of anything, but sometimes that doesn't always help with depression symptoms and anxiety as it kind of creates a little bit of a boomerang. And it'll also mess with your sleep, especially alcohol at a certain point. You will start oh, to yeah. wake up at weird hours and it'll mess with your your circadian rhythm. So it's, it's a good oh, idea yeah. to kind of keep your eye on that and sort of go, okay, and ask yourself too, why am I right now going through this, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, See, you know, and I'm going to bug you because I'm sure that there are, you know, um, so many hotlines, just like we had Shadarko, uh, you know, being the uh, executive director of the LGBT national hotline. You know, I'm sure there are people didn't even Mm -hmm. know that existed. There are other, there are so many others and I'm going to pick your brain later and and post them up on our site as a follow-up to to this episode. Cause sometimes we just need someone safe to hear us, you know, someone who isn't someone close to us necessarily, you know, Um, most important thing. Um, We've got like seven minutes. Uh, left and one of the things that I wanted to do was to make sure we we got in um, for anyone listening real life superhero or not uh, there are certain things you can do especially real life superheroes who need to we're talking about how you need to help others Um, there are things that you can do to help volunteer but 
remember if you're going to volunteer, ask yourself how much you can actually give of yourself. You know, what, where are your strengths in volunteering? You don't want to overdo it. And just like offer, doc, doc do money was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. you know, you, you got to make sure you don't, you don't cross your own boundaries, you know, with, with, knowing well that's really too much for me to do but i'm doing it anyway because i want to be the good guy there are ways to do Mm -hmm. it and and we'll post up uh links to these too but they're the check on your neighbors thing that doesn't mean knock on everybody's door and breathe in their faces or have them breathe on yours if you know your neighbors great maybe you can drop little notes out you know and they can answer on their own how are you doing you know, um, if you don't know them, it's, now would be a good time to drop a little note saying, hi, I'm your neighbor at so-and-so, you know, uh, I can do this much. Is there anything I can get that you need help with? Mm-hmm. Um, there are ways to explore and to volunteer virtually. There are so many nonprofits right now around the world, and they even just writing letters for them. They need people who can do things like making calls and writing letters. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. um, being one of those telemarketers. That's not what they're talking about. Uh, there are t- tasks they need doing. And, man, what an awesome person you would be to help a nonprofit while you're sitting home trying to figure out what to do. Exactly. Um, you can uh, make a donation. I know a lot of us are just scraping by. So that's not, you know, it doesn't mean, oh, give a $2,000. If you've got like maybe five extra bucks, you would not believe how much that five extra bucks is appreciated when someone gets it. You know, Mm -hmm. um, you know, this, there are so many non. Mm -hmm. There's actually another thing that I was going to put out there too, is that sometimes being the person just sitting out on your front stoop, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you have a place where you can safely sit on your front stoop and not, you know, be the like the breezy person all over your neighbors, depends <laughs> on what kind of a building you're in and what kind of lot you're on and stuff like that. But there are a lot of times that it's really nice just to sit out on your front stoop and just say good morning to everybody going by. Say hello oh, to them, yeah. wearing a mask. And that makes, yeah. I got to admit, that's made a huge difference for me recently because I'm like, and it's not about whether anyone deserves it or what, what, or what the neighborhood's like. It's like, you know what? I can just be like a warm face and maybe they'll all think I'm crazy, but I don't care. I'm going to sit there and I'm just going to be a person sitting on the stoop, saying good morning, asking how folks are doing and just being sweet for the sake of putting it out there in the world. And you guys know me, and you know that I have that edge where I can also be tremendously unsweet as well. It's <laughs> a fine opportunity. But it's, no, that's it's wonderful. It's a conscious decision to be that person and to, like, light up somebody's day a little and give them a human interaction. And the side benefit is you get that as well. And you get to know who your neighbors are, and you get to, like, have conversations with them and give them faith. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. We did that on a bike ride. I decided that everybody, we, we had our masks on, and everybody we rode by, we said, you know, it was the morning, good morning, hello, and they were, they did a double take, but they were so happy to respond, and I thought, you know what, this is probably, and that was like a week or two ago, when everybody was mm-hmm. feel afraid to even come outside, and, and I think that that just threw a lot of people uh, remember we were driving bug and there, but then they were so happy to say hi. Yeah. You know, it was just, it was mm-hmm. unexpected. So you're right. Because everybody right now is, is just, you know, the whole body language is shrinking and, you know, oh no, 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 everybody stay away from me. And, and it, 
we can open up again. You can do those nice yoga stretches that mm-hmm. actually open up your chest because then your heart is exposed. As corny as that sounds, it feels mm-hmm. so good. Do it with me, everybody. Right now, mm-hmm. move your arms back. Move them back. You too, bug. Stretch your arms backwards. I'm doing it. And feel it and breathe it. See? A lot of us haven't been just a... A lot of us haven't been like that for how long? Oh, geez. We only have three minutes left. Oh. Not even. <laughs> okay. Not even. Okay. With, with that, I'm gonna, uh, we're going to close this out um, by reminding everybody that right now it's, it, it's, we're going through a wildly unprecedented time in our lives. And uh, the, uh, let's see, the late philosopher and social activist from Detroit, Grace Lee Boggs, uh, taught us that a revolution that is based on people exercising creativity in the midst of devastation is one of the great historical contributions of mankind. So let's write about our lives, draw our dreams, sing our sorrows, plant gardens, cook for our neighbors, build rainwater harvesting systems, compost, whatever, repair clothes, do whatever you can to create right now and, and to feel more productive. Um, I think that's a wonderful way to try to help, you know. Uh, okay. So uh, with that, since we have less than uh, two minutes to go impact, um, thank you for, for being here, buddy. And I know you're going to drive home hopefully on Friday, right? Yes. Hopefully. Unless yes, I hope so. The company tells me otherwise. No. And if you're driving, if you're driving home, we have 90. If you're driving home, you can give me a call. We'll be. I've I've got I've got some time to. Of to course, chat. of course, I will. I, I like talking to Impact on these long drives because I don't know if you guys can tell. I I like to talk. Uh, we don't know anything about that. And I'm a captive audience at that point. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so I want to thank those uh, people, everybody. I, oh, I don't even have the list of everybody that was in the um, the online chat room um, with your comments. And thank you so much. And I want to thank you to let's see. Oh, okay. So Geek Pile, Spectral Hawk, Bringing It Boy, Vector, Shadarko, Titus Lupus, and that's all. So far, those are the ones I read. And thank you, um, everybody who's listening. Happy, happy birthday, Tree Song. We love you. We're sorry we couldn't join in tonight, but we had to do this tonight. And and thank you so much to my guest, our guest, Dr. Afro Pollock, who is also Dr. Doom Muddy. We really, really, we had people (laughs) typing messages to us saying how much they loved that you were covering everything they wanted to to ask you. So we'll bring her back, you guys. I think we need to do this at least once a month with her so that if you have more questions, we can bring her back. Hey, I will not complain. I love doing this sort of thing. (laughs) Yay. Love you guys. Everybody have a good, safe week. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Bug. Thanks, Impact. Thanks, Doc. Love you. Be safe. Happy superheroing. Bye. Bye. Temperature rising. Vision blurring. Rage taking over.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.